Recorded live. Uh, 
an upcoming uh, Batman movie, Joe Maganiello, that's why I can pronounce it, wants fans to root for Deathstroke in the Batman. Hmm, interesting. Uh, let's see what we have right What's this story right here is. In an interview with the R.I. magazine, Joe Maganiello spoke about playing Deathstroke in the Batman. He said that he hopes fans root for the bad guy. Here are some highlights on Deathstroke's ability to be a great villain. He says, yeah, I guess there, there was a TV show, but I haven't seen it. I won't watch it. This is my character, and it's an exciting one. It has the capacity, I think, to be a great villain. And what all the great ones can do is polarize an audience. When I was a kid, I always rooted for the villain. As a kid, I think I would have rooted for him, and I think fans will. On the development uh, issues, it's funny how the media likes to run with, oh, there's trouble, oh, the script needs to be revised. They're drama queens. There's a creative process, and everyone on the cast and crew wants to make this the best movie possible. So that's what we're going to do. When we start shooting it, we'll start shooting it. It'll be soon. I can say that. Here's the thing. No one wants to create that superhero movie that, that's polarizing the fans and critics. Rest assured, we're going to do this thing right. On the creative team, Ben Affleck makes great films, and he's a great Batman. Jeff Johns certainly is a really fun fun guy to hang around with and has a great grasp on the steering wheel that is the Titanic of the DCEU. Knowing that they, what they have planned for the future, I think fans are really going to love it. Uh, this, uh, of course, uh, this this right here, J.D., very interesting indeed. Coming uh, uh, root for the villain this time in a Batman movie. Not bad at all. It should be pretty good. It should be. I don't see when the movie's going to come out yet, but we are looking forward to that. And a picture I've seen here, uh, uh, of course, the kind of reminds me, of course, that they base it on the comic book character, of course, and looks a little bit more flashy than the comic book character did. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a uh, nonetheless, uh, it all be it all be pretty good and all that uh, being portrayed by uh, by a great actor like that. So there you go. Uh, speaking of superheroes, of course, we talked about the X-Men pilot coming up on Fox real soon. Joseph Lee brings us this uh, story right here. Uh, My name is Eddie. Excuse me there. Uh, as uh, I, I, have, I have someone else uh, join the talks, X-Men pilot. Deadline reports that Kobe Bell has joined the X-Men pilot for Fox, along with the cast that includes Stephen Moyer and Amy Ecker. The pilot was written by Matt Nix and would be directed by Brian Singer. It follows two normal parents, played by Moyer and Acker, to find out their children are mutants. They're forced to go on the run from the government before joining an underground group of mutants who fight to survive. Bell plays Jace Turner, a weathered man who quietly wrestles with the mortal ambiguities of a job that regularly requires cold-blooded, calculating efficiency on a day-to-day basis. Singer and Nix were also executive produced along with Lauren Schuler Donner, Simon Kinberg, Jeff Loeb, and Jim Corey. 20th Century Fox Television and Marvel Television will produce it. Um, this should have to be something pretty good with this X-Men pilot they're talking about on Fox, J.D. I'll be pretty good. So, uh, so we'll look forward to that when it comes out here really, really soon. Uh, let's see what we have here. Uh, mm, uh, let's see here. 
Uh, oh, come from Larry's uh, Larry Zonka store came out yesterday. Uh, uh, according to was it the Spawn a reboot of Spawn will be dark and nasty. Hmm. Those of you who remember Spawn, I mean that was wicked back in the day. Writer director Todd McFarlane recently spoke with ComicBook.com and discussed the Spawn movie reboot he's been working on since 2009. Here's what he had to say about it. On the tone of the Spawn reboot, it's not going to be a giant budget film with a lot of special effects. It's going to be more of a horror movie and a thriller movie, not a superhero one. Listen, I'm going to paint it for you. The movie is going to be a dark R. If if here's PG-13 and here's Deadpool and here's Logan, we're going to be here. It's going to be dark and it's going to be nasty. On getting the movie made, I knew I needed to keep the story and the budget both so tight that when I go to Hollywood and I, and I say, I have to direct it, that's not even a negotiation, so if you can't accept that, then the conversation is over quickly. And once they understand the scope and size of the, and budget of it, they're like, okay, oh, okay. It's not like Todd's coming here asking for $100 million and saying, let me direct my first movie. He's saying, give me $10 million to make a little horror movie. Let's see if we can scare some people. We've done that tons of times. So Spawn is coming back out here pretty soon, J.D., Lady, is he still with us? My name is Lady. You have the light to shape the world. And we'll do one more story here before I turn it over to the Iceman right here. Uh, let's see what we have right here. Uh... And one more story coming in today, once again from Joseph Lee at 411 Mania. Uh, apparently, uh, let's see here. My name is Eddie. Joe Carnahan no longer a part, a part of the third Bad Boys movie, apparently. Uh, let's see what we have. Uh, I can get this up here, okay? The Hollywood Reporter revealed that director Joe Carnahan has departed from Bad Boys for Life. Some sources cite scheduling issues while others claim it's due to creative differences. The film has been in development hell for years, and this latest development is likely to delay production yet again. It was never sure if Will Smith would be involved, but he finally agreed to take part and suddenly recently set a release date of November 8, 2018. Production was reportedly set to begin in the fall. Carnahan also wrote most of the, the most recent drafts of the script. Sony is currently looking for a new director and may be interested in, hi- in hiring another writer. The project is considered a top priority project for the studio. If Smith stays on board, he, he once again teamed up with Martin Lawrence as a pair of Miami detectives. The first two films were released in 1995 and 2003 with Michael Bay directing. J.D., they tried trying to get out the third Bad Boys movie, and it's been here uh, delayed here for quite some time. And now it's, going, it's, it's in another uh, speed bump, it looks like. Yeah, it has. It has been uh, bumpy, to say the least. Absolutely. So uh, that's all we'll bring here tonight here, ladies and gentlemen, from 411 Mania. Uh, let's see if J.D. has anything on the table here tonight. Go ahead, J.D. Uh, 
All right, last week, of course, it was a very busy week in Hollywood, so here's what our top movies of the week were. Logan, the X-Men trilogy uh, with Hugh Jackman, took in 88.4 million. It was the top movie of the week. Get Out, however, was number two with 28.2 million, dropping a spot. The Shack, 16.1 million, a new movie. Excuse me. The Lego Batman movie dropped two spots to 11.7 million. John Wick Chapter 2, of course, uh, finished at number five with 4.8, as it was coming between four and a half near five million dollars. The weekend before, we had Get Out, number one, 33.3 million. The Lego Batman movie, 19.2 million. John Wick, of course, Chapter 2, however, went up a spot from 4 to 3, 9.3 million. The Great Wall, 9.1 million. And Fifty Shades Darker, of course, was number 5, dropping three spots from 2nd to 5th with 7.7, as it was between 7.5 near $8 million. Now, this week, of course, Fifty Shades Darker dropped four spots to number 4. Hidden Figures stayed at number 7. The Great Wall continues to fall apart, however, here in the States, and has become a very big bomb at the box office thus far. Now, this week, we got some interesting movies coming up this week, and we'll tell you what is on is coming out this weekend. Uh, so, bear with me here. Uh, let's see here. Upcoming movies this week, however, include the following, however. It will be, however, Kong, Skull Island, with uh, Brie Larson and Jason Mitchell. Burning Sands, with Trevor Jackson, Howard and Alfie Woodward in a limited role. Um, let's see if there's any other big, uh, releases this week, however. Um, that is going to be basically nationwide. Not really too many nationwide, however. Brimstone with Guy Pierce and Dakota Fanning, uh, will be in a limited role. Revolution, New Art for a New World, of course, is in a limited role. Uh, Personal Shopper, however. Uh, Swing Away, starring Shannon Elizabeth, however, and John O'Hurley, however, mind you. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth, best known for her role as Nadia in the American Pie uh, trilogy. And this beautiful and fantastic in a limited role starring Andrew Scott, Jessica Brown, Finley, and Tom Wilkinson will be out as well. But the big week, of course, looks like Kong is going to try to take a bite out of uh, Logan, if you will. But uh, the way Logan uh, came out last week, however, I don't think it has any chance whatsoever. But you never know. Uh, Some other news to report, of course, we have been talking about for the past month or so, however... And we have not been keeping up to date, however, on um, here, if I can just bear with me here, folks. Um, um, just had, shoot, bear with me here. Um, uh, shoot, uh, well, well, we'll come back to me. We'll have, we'll have a few more stories here in just a few minutes. But one of them involves that uh, we have been talking about a story that we uh, have Really, the last two or three weeks, however, have gone more developments, however, involving the Oakland Raiders, the NFL, and the city of Las Vegas, as there's more talks heating up now in the last few weeks than we've seen in the past uh, month or so. Of course, the last time we talked about it was when Goldman Sachs and uh, Sheldon Adelson, the owner uh, of, let's say, one of the casinos, pulled his table offer off the table. But now it looks like Bank of America is willing to throw their uh, hat into the ring. And there's a couple more developments coming out of that, and we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. Okay, thank you very much there, uh, J.D. Uh, <clears throat> let's take care of this one more time. 1724-444-7444. Call ID 
141387-POUND. You're listening to episode number 43 of uh, Outside the Ropes, of course, of the WWS Radio Network, right here on TalkShoot.com. This is Wednesday, March 8, 2017. I'm, of course, Mr. WWS, Chad Henshaw, back on the line, alongside, of course, uh, one of the hosts of WWS Raw Radio, and, of course, the 2015 and 17 Hall of Famer, the Iceman himself, J.D. Jared D. Gerolamo. Uh, of course, uh, and of course, as we promised here, uh, I did actually find some interesting stuff. I think JD will definitely get a kick out of this. Uh, and uh, like I said, we'll uh, we'll definitely like to start do start this up right here. Of course, as we said, we're going to put JD on the hot seat here once again for some very unique. We talk about wrestling here, uh, movies and uh, uh, movies and TV, so on and so forth. Uh, let's uh, <clears throat> let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, give that a whirl right here. Of course, uh, and let's let's see let's, let's test JD brain on this and uh, let's see how he does with this quiz uh, uh, right here. First, first question I have: Which two actors directed themselves in movies and won Oscars for Best Actor? Was it Al Pacino and Timothy Hutton, Jack Nicholson and Kevin Spacey? Lawrence Olivier and Roberto Benini, or Tom Hanks and Paul Newman? JD. I'm going to say C. You're going to say Olivier and Benini. Okay. Okay. And you are actually correct. Uh, Olivier played the title character in Hamlet 1948, and Roberto Benini was Guido in Life is Beautiful in 1998. Not too bad. Next question. It's Kevin Curtis, of course, of uh, AMC, too, the cable network, by the way. Interesting question. Um, okay, here is a quote here, Jay. This be, or it's a line, it's the last line of friendly movie here. Let's see if you might know where this movie, where this came from. All right. The line is, after all, tomorrow is another day, was the last line in which, in which Oscar-winning best picture. Was it Gone with the Wind, Great Expectations, Harold and Maude, or The Matrix? I'm going to say Gone with the Wind. The Gone with the Wind, okay. You are correct. And uh, JD, please feel free to talk about a couple of things. Step away, I'll be right back. Okay, and uh, while Chad steps out, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to keep you up to date with the story about the Oakland Raiders Las Vegas story that we are getting information on right now, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, the past three weeks has been heating up, however, to say the least, in discussions, however. In case you are wondering, uh, of course, we're going to thank our friends here at the Las Vegas Sun, the Las Vegas uh, Journal, and the East Bay Times, if you will, from uh, California, giving us the information on this uh, breaking story. Um, As you know, ladies and gentlemen, a lot has gone down in the last uh, several weeks since we last talked about the Oakland Raiders, however, so let's get you all up to speed right now. Uh, according to reports, however, mind you, however, uh, we understand, however, according to reports, however, from our good friends at the East Bay Times, however, mind you, this is the reports we have found out, ladies and gentlemen, as we mentioned earlier this week, however, mind you, there is a new investor into the Las Vegas story, and we're going to get that story uh tell you about that story in just a moment here, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, uh, as you know, back in late January, Sheldon Adelson and, of course, Goldman Sachs pulled out of the deal that would see the Raiders move from Oakland to Las Vegas, of course, and built themselves a brand-new, state-of-the-art, $2 billion stadium 
As a result, however, here is the story right now, according to reports, however, mind you, and this is the reports, however. Uh, the Raiders reportedly have a new financial backer for the proposed Las Vegas team that would house them if relocation is granted by the NFL owners. The team revealed on Monday a new financing plan with bank backing bank from Bank of America. USA Today and AP have reported the Raiders presented the new proposal to the NFL Stadium and Finance Committees. Meanwhile, Mayor Libby Sharif has presented to the committee also uh, has offered no new proposals or information according to the reports. In a statement, Sharif said, We made a sound economic case for keeping the Raiders in Oakland through the creation of what could become one of America's premier mixed-use sporting venues. Now, a full meeting of NFL owners is scheduled to begin in late March, hour in Arizona, where a vote on the Raiders' move could be called. The team, of course, needs approval from 24 of the 32 owners to move forward with plans to build a 65,000-seat stadium that would open in time for the 2020 season. The stadium potentially is awaiting the Raiders. is a $2 billion dome roof stadium. Now, Sheldon Adelson, of course, who withdrew his backing after the Raiders presented a plan to the Las Vegas Stadium Authority Board that didn't include him, however, mind you, uh, had originally pledged $650 million before withdrawing. Now, the state of Nevada, of course, has committed $750 million to the project through the sales of bonds that would be repaid over the next 30 years or three decades by a hotel room tax. The Raiders in the NFL, in NFL right now are committed to paying $500 million, with the rest supposedly coming from the new investors. Now, major, now, as you know, many major banks have had special sports financing groups for such projects. For example, Goldman Sachs, U.S. Bank, and Bank of America loaned Santa Clara and the 49ers a combined $850 million to pay for most of Levi Stadium's construction. Of course, Levi Stadium is the home of the 49ers and was also the home of WrestleMania 31. Uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, some news to report, of course. Uh, we understand that, the, um, like I said, however... Uh, this is some other news story, however, and this is from the same uh, story. Uh, Mark Purdy of the East Bay Times in his column recently said, It is now time uh, in high-stakes drama with the Raiders in Vegas, so buckle off for an NFL showdown in three weeks. I would definitely agree to that. Um, like I said, however, there's a lot of talk, of course, that right now Ronnie Lott is trying to get his name thrown into the ring, however, in order to keep the Raiders in Oakland. In fact, however, um, like I said, the uh, they will need 24 of 32 first-place votes, however, to commit the the deal, basically, however, in more ways than one. And uh, like I said, however, with, uh, let's see, um, there was some story about Ronnie Lott. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second with Ronnie Lott's name, how he figures into the equation, however, the whole Raiders mess, however. Um, in fact, however... We just saw it just a second ago. So, uh, we just had, so please bear with us, folks. We just had it. Uh, like I said, Ronnie Lott is one of the people in backing the Raiders' cause. Very interesting. Yes, in fact, he is, says, here, uh, this is uh, the latest, however, um, apparently he's leading the charge to keep. I guess this was from the undefeated news com, however, like I said, however, this was, I guess, Back in December at the time, however, uh, apparently, however, his group, however, backed by Fortress Investment Group of New York, they, at the time they said they would commit $600 million to the deal, $500 million from the Raiders, with another $200 million coming from the new same fund of the NFL. 
the city of Oakland, Alameda County would then contribute $200 million in infrastructure upgrades. But like I said, that was back at the time. However, um, like I said, with talks between um, – who was it? I just saw a second ago. Uh, the mayor at the time, of Oakland at the time, she said she had not spoken to Mark Davis in months, but met with Lock the week before and sounded optimistic at the time, saying, the Lock Group has the ability and the willingness and the passion to put the private money into this deal to build a stadium under the conditions that Mark Davis has always said he needs. We're dealing with a group that can write the check and is willing to do so. But now, according to the Las Vegas Sun, there is a little bit of a twist into the story. In fact, however, um, I read this earlier today and haven't keep an eye on this story, however, um, that apparently I just saw it a second ago. It says, what is behind, it says, however, what is behind the price tag, however, mind you, for a stadium, the $1.9 million price tag for an NFL stadium in Las Vegas. Now, Adam Candy wrote this earlier today, folks, and this is this is a very, very interesting piece, I gotta say. This is a very good article by Adam Candy, and he wrote this, I believe, either this morning or this afternoon in the Vegas uh, Sun. And I'll tell you about that article in just a second. But like I said, the big news, obviously, of course, is going to be obviously coming up at the end of March, however. And we'll talk about that article in just in a little bit. But like I said, okay, here we go. It says, I just did it again. Uh, so bear with me. Okay, here we go. This was from earlier this morning. It says this. Um, okay, here we go. Even as this is the beginning of the article, anyway, even a figure as massive as 1.9 million can sound downright mundane after being repeated in discourse for months. However, even casual followers of the Oakland Raiders' pursuit of relocation to Las Vegas instantly identify the dollar amount that represents the country's second most expensive professional sports team behind the supposed 2.8 billion dollar Los Angeles project for the Rams in charge of their home in the next three or four years. Uh, the Las Vegas Stadium Board uh, gathers Thursday, however, and that will be tomorrow for its first meeting since the Raiders uh, secured Bank of America, however, as its background. So, a July presentation the Southern Nevada Tourism Infrastructure Committee estimate the stadium would contain 75 to 100 private suites, 6,000 to 8,000 club seats, 25 to 50 lodge boxes, and 5,000 to 10,000 standing room capacity. And uh, a total square footage of 1.8 million on site totaling between 850 and 64 acres is planned, which puts the same line with the last few National Football League facilities constructed in Houston, Detroit, Phoenix, Indy, Dallas, and New Jersey. The most expensive of those is MetLife Stadium, New Jersey, which back in 2010 cost $1.6 billion. So with this now, this $1.9 million bill will be split among a $750 million public contribution from increased room tax revenue, $500 million in a combination of NFL loans, naming rights, and seat license sales from the Raiders, and $650 million from Bank of America, potentially in the form of a large loan. So, uh, yeah, things are heating up more and more over the last two or three weeks in Vegas, I can tell you right now. And I've talked to some people out there firsthand, uh, Adam Candy, uh, the writer who wrote this is one of the article guys. And there's another gentleman who writes for the Las Vegas Review Journal. His name is, I believe, Ed Craney or something like that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll have to find the piece. But uh, I've been talking to a few of the, reading some of these articles in Vegas. And some of these guys, however, like I said, in Las Vegas, however, like I said, however, they're also considering Sam Boyd staying the home of UNLV to be the short-term home for UNLV before 
for uh, the Raiders until they get the steam. But like I said, some of these guys in Las Vegas and the Sun newspaper and the Review Journal have uh, had very, uh, let's just say, very unique opinions about this whole thing. Like I said, uh, like I said, um, some of them are like Richard Vallada, uh John uh, Mark, yeah, Ed Graney, G-R-A-N-E-Y. Uh, like I said, how are, in fact, however, there was an article from March 6th about steam and rent deals for all 32 teams. I'm going to uh, shut up after this last piece, but there is an article of all steam rent details for NFL teams. I'll tell you how interesting it is because you're going to uh, probably go crazy. Okay, here we go. Um, this, I believe it does all, yeah, it does all teams. And I'll tell you right now, hold on a second. I'm going to find uh, Pittsburgh and Carolina. Here we go. Okay, um... I'll tell you a second. Okay, hold on. Uh, the NFC West. I just saw. Okay, hold on. I just had it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Caroline. Okay, here you go. This is your neck of the woods, Chad. Open 1996. Team annual rent cost zero. Lease expiration none. Stadium opener. Panther same LLC. Amount of public subsidy toward same construction zero. Original construction cost two hundred and forty-eight million. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Let's see what they did. Uh, the North. Okay. Here we go. Pittsburgh. Open two thousand one. Team annual rent cost two point one million. Lease expiration twenty thirty one. Original construction cost two hundred eighty one million. Amount of public subsidy toward same construction. Two hundred four point five million. The Steelers contributed about seventy six point five million towards the stadium. I like it. So there you go. I mean, the most expensive stadium obviously is going to be eventually. I mean, right now. I mean, the, with the uh, Vikings team that just opened up last year. Uh, this is weird. However, they opened last year. They expire in twenty forty six. Team annual rent, however, eight point cost cost eight point five million plus three percent annual increase. Uh, amount of public subsidy towards same construction, towards same construction. Excuse me, 498 million. Original construction cost 1.12 billion. So there you go. Some of the uh, bigger steams, of course, we know the Falcons are opening up their new steam this year, and I believe that's 1.4 billion, if you will, of course. And until they get this thing done with Vegas and the Rams and the Chargers, however, it's still going to be, I think. For the time being, MetLife Stadium is still going to be the most expensive stadium out there. But once the Rams and Chargers are moving their new digs in twenty in the next two or three or four years, whether it's 2019, 20, a couple of years, 2019, 2020, or 2021, it's going to cost $2.5 billion. And, of course, you've got the Raiders maybe not far behind in their new digs in Sin City. Thank you very much, sir, J.D., for giving us a day with that. Now, of course, the big-time story we've been talking about here last uh, last several months here. And, of course, uh, uh, Greg, thank you for that the development uh, outlook on it. I do appreciate that. Uh, of course, I would say let's go back to the quiz right here. You were, you were correct. It was the answer was, in fact, Gone with the Wind. Of course, let me reiterate, uh, in, in Gone with the Wind, of course, it came out in 1939. Scarlett O'Hara, played by Vivian Lee, won't admit defeat after her husband, Brett Butler, played by Clark Gable, leaves her and draws strength from Tara, the plantation. So that's where that line came from. Okay, next question. Who was the only person to win an Oscar for Best Director for the only movie he ever directed? Was it Bob Fosse, Frank Borsage, Leo McCary, or Jerome Robbins? I'm going to say Bob Fosse, Cabaret, 1972. 
You're incorrect. It was Jerome Robbins, uh. who co-credited director and choreographer of West Side Story in 1961 with, with Robert Wise. Of course, I remember him for directing the first Star Trek movie, as a matter of fact. And he also directed year, the Hindenburg movie. That's right. That same year, the Academy, the Academy honored him with a special award for his choreography in film. Okay. Huh. A good guess, J.D. You mean good guess. We're guessing here anyway. Uh-huh. That's a, who is the most nominated actor in Academy history? Jack Nicholson, Lawrence Olivier, Spencer Tracy, or Paul Newman? Paul Newman. And Paul Newman, the answer is... Jack Nicholson. Hmm. He's, at, he's at 12 nominations. Lawrence Louis ha, ha, had 10. Spencer Tracy has 9. And Paul Newman uh, also, and, tied, and Spencer Tracy and Paul Newman are tied with 9. Hmm. My goodness. Okay. In which movie was the Oscar winning song Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling prominently featured? Was it Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid from 69, Calamity James from 53, High Noon from 52, or Song of the South from 1946? That would be, however, the movie of High Noon. Saying High Noon, okay. The answer is, it's High Noon. Tex Ritter sang the song, also known as The Ballad of High Noon, heard periodically throughout the classic western after winning the Academy Award for Best Song, it helped popularize the trend of using the theme song during the credit sequence. Interesting. Okay. Which classic Billy Wilder film, film noir, was the basis for the plot in director Lawrence Kazan's neo noir Body Heat in 1981, starring Kathleen Turner and William Hurt? Was it Ace in the Hole from 51, Double Inimity from 44, The Maltese Falcon from 41? or Sunset Boulevard from 1950? B. You're saying B as in boy? Mm-hmm. Okay. The answer is you're correct. The movie stars Barbara Stanwyck as fan fatale Phyllis Dickerson and Fred McMurray as an ensnared insurance salesman Walter Neff. You're right. Double anonymity. Right. What was the first Western to win the Academy Award for Best Picture? Was it A, Brokeback Mountain from 05, <laughs> B, Cimarron from 1930 or 31, B, The Last Wagon from 56, or D, Stagecoach from 1939? What was the question again? Just repeat. Well, the first first Western to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. In a minute! Okay, so you had uh, Brokeback Mountain. Right, Cimarron, The Last Wagon, and Stagecoach. Stagecoach. Same stagecoach, and I'll check this answer just a minute, JD. If anything you want to talk about, you want to put the plug out one more time. Anything you want to add? Uh, anything else you find on four eleven? Go ahead, I'll be right back. Okay. One seven two four 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 seven four four four. Call ID one four one three eight seven. This is outside the ropes, and don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, tonight at eight o'clock, we have a Jim Bean Dandy of a show for you. The Black Widow, Michelle Lindotts, King Interview, Gerard D. Smith, and myself will be back at the debate table. We'll have a lot to discuss after uh, what has been a very interesting few weeks, however, to say the least. And as WrestleMania is just around the corner, who knows what we're going to get into? The caller ID is one three nine nine two five pound. And then at nine o'clock, join the gang, of course, Gerard T. Smith, myself, and Michelle, as well as the rest of the gang. With Revolution 138055 pound. Tomorrow night, of course, we will be back for our two for Thursday, if you, yes, two for Thursday, if you will. Starting first off for Top Field Inc., of course, 
show begins at 7 p.m. Caller ID is 14562. And then, of course, at 9 o'clock, we'll be back with number 90. Yes, folks, number 90 episode of Wolfpack Radio. The caller ID is 138521 pounds. So be sure to check that out tomorrow night and as well as tonight's show. Uh, some other news to report, of course, uh, in case you're wondering, uh, this past week on Raw Radio was a very interesting show. We had the legendary Sonny Ono. You can go back and listen to it. The caller ID is 138744-POUND. This coming Monday, folks, promised to be another great show. Of course, this week we'll be talking about more of the same power, but with WrestleMania around the corner, we're going to get everyone's opinion, however, of course, from the gang, and we will tell you what we think for the top 10 great moments in WrestleMania history. Of course, be sure to check that out this Monday. The following week, of course, we'll talk about our least favorite 10 moments in WrestleMania history, and then following that, of course, right around WrestleMania week, we will give you our thoughts as to who will win the big matches in the biggest show of them all, and that is, of course, WrestleMania. So the next three Mondays promise to be very, very exciting here on Talk Shoe Monday Raw Radio, so don't forget to check it out. Um, also, ladies and gentlemen, however, mind you, uh, we will tell you more about uh, some excitement going on here. Of course, last night, uh, as we mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, uh, last night, uh, non, well, kind of, uh, excuse me, um, I'm trying to think how I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing we will talk about, of course, uh, mind you, and we kind of mentioned it last night, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we heard about it eventually on the Newswire, in case you're wondering, ladies and gentlemen, and in case you did not hear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, legendary wrestler Ron Bass, better known as Ronald Hurd, died uh, recently, or passed away yesterday at the age of 68 after having a burst, missed a burst appendix, excuse me, a burst appendix this past weekend. Uh, he was supposed to attend a convention this past weekend in New York City, New York. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Bass family tonight, of course. Bass worked with various territories in his years, including Florida and Jim Crockett promotions. He also signed with the WWE at one point in 1987 and worked there until early 1989. And speaking of uh, passing away, ladies and gentlemen, our thoughts and prayers over Turner Classic Movies, uh, famous, uh, fa- famous announcer Robert Osborne, who this past week, however, who was supposed to attend the Hollywood movie, film festival in the next couple of weeks despite the fact he was under the weather however mind you suddenly left us too soon at the age of 84 this past monday and i believe his funeral was either today or it's going to be tomorrow our thoughts and prayers with the osborne family tonight as we lost a great man in robert osborne uh let's see what else is going on well uh, of course uh this sunday ladies and gentlemen as you know uh what's Basketball season winding up very soon, and conference tournaments going on right now. Uh, this Monday in Raw Radio, not only will we talk about uh, our top ten great moments in WrestleMania history, but we'll also tell you our thoughts, maybe a little bit about March Madness. Of course, the NCAA tournament is less than a week away. Of course, uh, with the conference tournaments going on uh, this whole week, however, we can tell you about some of the games going on right now. Uh, some of them, of course, uh, were played earlier today. Some of them are going to continue tonight. Uh, the games that were played earlier this afternoon include the following, the Duke Blue Devils beating the Clemson Tigers, 79-72, uh, the Miami Hurricanes beating the Syracuse Orangemen, uh, Penn State, of course, beating Nebraska in overtime. Uh, right now, we got a very entertaining ball game going on right now in the Pac-12 tournament between California and Oregon State. California's up six right now. Uh, early contest in the Big 12, TCU taking on Oklahoma, TCU up by two. Georgetown up by one, four minutes in. And, of course, Wake Forest crushing Virginia Tech by eight, four minutes in. Now, some of the games you will see tonight include Rutgers and Ohio State. 
uh, Washington State and Colorado, Texas Tech and Texas, Missouri and Auburn, DePaul and Xavier, Pitt and West, I almost said West Virginia, I'd say Pitt and Virginia, of course, Pitt coming off a close shave last night against Georgia Tech, and the last game of the night, however, on this uh, first night of, uh, well, Big Wednesday, as we like to say here, it will be in the Pac-12, Washington taking on Southern Cal. So definitely some great games there tonight. And also for you NBA Hoopers, however, we got a double dip tonight beginning at 8 p.m. on ESPN. It will be Detroit traveling to Indiana. Of course, last night, WWE SmackDown was held at the Bankers Life Fieldhouse in the home of the Pacers in Indianapolis, Indiana. Of course, that's where they will be tonight. And at 10.30, ladies and gentlemen, uh, settle back and watch the Boston Celtics travel out to Golden State to take on the Warriors. The Warriors, of course, without uh, their Superman, Kevin Durant, who last week got hurt and will be out for the next three and a half, four weeks due to a severe injury. Um, one other story that just came in over the wire, um, I just heard a few minutes ago, earlier today, however, mind you, uh, an airplane carrying the Michigan men's basketball team was involved in a mishap this afternoon, but no one was injured, thankfully, as they were attempting to take off in high winds this afternoon at Willow Run Airport in Yopaseni, Michigan. Of course, the Big Ten tournament this year is being held in the nation's capital, surprisingly. It seems like all the terms are switching up venues. Of course, the Big 12 in Kansas City, the ACC in Brooklyn, New York, the Atlantic 10 going on in Pittsburgh right now, and, of course, the Big Ten in Washington, D.C. But uh, they said earlier in the day Ann Arbor uh, was having winds of anywhere between 40 to 50 miles per hour, Coach Jill. John Beeline did say that all his players were okay, a little banged up, but uh, thankfully everyone was okay and not uh, seriously hurt. Of course, they will be taking on Illinois tomorrow afternoon in the second round of the Big Ten tournament at the Verizon Center against Illinois. So uh, that's very good news to say the least of all the Michigan players and the coaches being okay after a very scary ordeal earlier this afternoon. Absolutely. Thank you very much there, uh, uh, J.D. Uh, Let's go ahead. Let's go back to this question right here. I think what we said, the question was, was the first Western to win the Academy Award for Best Picture? And I think you did answer Stagecoach. Let's see if this was correct. The correct answer was Cimarron. Which one was it? Cimarron. Cimarron, okay. The movie is based on an Edna Ferber novel. She also wrote the books Giant, and Stage Door, all of which were turned into movies. Uh, next question. Who was the first film to receive an Academy Award nomination for each of the performance categories? Was it A Streetcar Named Desire from 1951, The Color Purple from 1985, My Man Godfrey from 36, or The Turning Point from 1997? My Man Godfrey, 1936. My Man Godfrey was correct. Received six nom- nominations, including Best Actor, William Powell, Best Actress, Carol Lombard. Best Supporting Actor, Misha Iyer. And Best Supporting Actress, Alice Brady. None of them won. It was also nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay, but lacked a nomination for Best Picture. What Cameron Crowe-directed Hollywood remake was the setting for the on-screen and real-life romance of married actor Tom Cruise and Spanish star Penelope Cruz, C-R-E-Z? Penelope Sky. Vanilla Sky. Oh, didn't even have to give the choices. Vanilla Sky. That's oh, correct. Okay, JD. The Rock Vanilla Sky from 2001 is a remake of Alejandro Eminbar, Eminabar plot, plot twist in Abri Los Ojos, or of course, Open Your Eyes from 1997. Cruz, Penelope Cruz appeared in both the original and the remake as the character Sophia. 
and we'll, while we pause, we'll wait for JD to return. Uh, we'll let you know right now that we are overseeing, of course, everything over in the group called GCWS, Beginning of a Dream, of course, our group dedicated to Georgia Championship Wrestling. For tonight, our the Radio Network group tour will have our live video feed, of course, for <clears throat> episode 302 of Revolution tonight. Once again, we'll be bringing you news, history, the human suppression our thoughts and opinions about last night's SmackDown live broadcast, more, uh, more wrestling extras, including some more wrestling trivia. Uh, in the fancy matchups, you don't know what we'll have, but we'll have that for you tonight at 9 o'clock on Revolution, episode 302, of course, call ID 138055. Next up here, which movie ends with this final line of dialogue? Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Psycho. Saying psycho is correct. The phrase refers to the inner thoughts of Grace, schizophrenic Norman Bates, played by Anthony Perkins, as he sat in a jail cell and imagined what people would think of him slash her. In which plot-twisting movie was it revealed in the surprise ending that the crippled con man who was released after being interrogated in the police station, was in fact the criminal mastermind Kaiser Soze. Was it Dow M for murder, the getaway, hoodlum, or the usual suspects? I want to say the usual suspects. Usual suspects. That is correct. Kevin Spacey played the dual roles of crippled command Roger Verbal Kent and Kaiser Soze. It was 1995 when that movie came out. Okay. Uh, t- t- tagline here, JJ. Let's see if we know where this move, what, what tag, where, where this tagline, what movie this tagline belongs to. The lover, the lover, the loverliest motion picture of them all. It was a tagline to which movie? A Star Is Born, Less Girls, Let's Make Love, or My Fair Lady. What was the tagline again? The loverliest motion picture of them all. I'm going to say a star is born. Star is born. It was my fair lady. Hmm. Professor Henry Higgins transports, transforms the unrefined Eliza Doolittle into a lady through speech training. She leaves him after he treats her harshly, which devastates him. Yes, I know. That, that was a pretty big movie. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Who said, I think, I think we might know, we might, uh, we might know, know this one right here, but uh, let's, let's give it a shot here anyway. Who said the following line, and what movie did it come from? Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Wall Street, Michael Douglas, scoring Gecko. One of my favorite movies. Uh, didn't take long, and that is correct. The movie was modeled after the junk bond scandal of the 1980s, and the quote after a speech given by Ivan Bosky, who paid the SEC $100 million to settle insider trading charges later that year. And that movie came out in 87, by the way. Yes. Which is the shortest movie to win Best Picture? Was it Annie Hall, Marty, Midnight Cowboy, or Sunrise? Annie Hall. Annie Hall. The correct answer was Marty. 1955 was the shortest at 91 minutes. Hmm. Annie Hall actually came out in 77, came out at 93 minutes. The shortest Best Picture nominee 
was Mae West's She Done Him Wrong, and it came out in 1933 at 66 minutes long. Hmm. Yes. Which was the most notable... What was excuse me, let me rephrase that. Sorry, I said that wrong. What was most notable about the 96-minute-long movie Russian Ark that came out in 2002 from director Alexander Sorkov? Sorkov. I guess that's Russian, I think. What year was it again? Huh? What year was it again? 2002. Okay. So. It was called Russian Ark. Okay. Uh, what was what was most notable about it? Was it a it had no cuts, b it was shot in 3D. C, the opening scene had an 18-minute tracking shot, or D, there was no talking for the first 25 minutes. I'm going to say D, there was no talking for the first 25 minutes. Okay. And the correct thing is, it had no cuts. The longest single-shot feature-length narrative movie in history, the camera roamed the halls of St. Petersburg Hermitage. What was the name of the American actor who starred in Sergio Leone's low-budget spaghetti westerns in the 1960s? Lee Von Cleef. Okay, well, that wasn't one of the choices. Uh, But but that's a good guess. Let me go ahead and give you one. Let me give you the choices there. You can good guess if you want to. Was Was it Clint Eastwood, Gary Cooper, John Wayne, or Robert Redford? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yes, sir, it was Eastwood. TV's Rawhide actor, Clint Eastwood, starred in the trilogy, the Dollars trilogy, which was, of course, a fistful of dollars in 64, a few dollars more in 65, and The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly in 66. One of my favorite movies there. Great movies, indeed. Fistful was was pioneered in its cinematography. It was the first time in the States a gunfight was shot with both the shooter and the victim in the same frame. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. Yes, indeed. Which Billy Wilder movie seriously tackled the taboo subject of alcoholism for the first time in Hollywood? Days of Wine and Roses, Jack Lemmon and Lee Remick, nineteen sixty two. Well again, J D, that's a good that's a great answer, but that's not one of the four choices. <laughs> they didn't put it down. I'm, I'm surprised by it. Let me yeah. give, let me give it to you, see if you see if you might have see if you one of these trying to uh Take at your brain a bit. Is it Ace in the Hole from 51, The Lost Weekend from 45, The Seven-Year Itch from 55, or Fedora from 78? I'm going to say B. B is in boy? Yeah. The Lost Weekend. And you're correct. It was The Lost Weekend. The movie starring Ray Milan was Billy Wilder's fourth directorial effort. The alcohol industry offered to purchase a negative and remove the movie from circulation, but later praised and supported the movie following its popular release and critical success. Hmm. Okay. All right. Here's another tagline, JD. To see if we can guess what this where this movie came from. What movie this tagline came from? There you go. All right. We'll go a little bit past seven thirty as well. We'll get a couple more in there before we close tonight. All right. Okay. Here we go. Here's the tagline. What movie did this come from? To enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. Was it Border Town from 07, Copycat from 95, Monster from 2004, and The Sons of the Lambs from 91? Fool, there's two good ones that you just mentioned. Uh, I'm going to guess, and you said this was an Oscar winner, right? 
I think it might be. It does not say it. This is all right. Seven. I'll say. If, if, all right. I know I'm going to kick myself for saying. I'm going to guess this one. This is this is my guess. I'm going to say Silence of the Lambs, but I I'm thinking I, I'm I know I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but if it, I it's not right, I know the other one. What it would be though. Okay, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take a guess right now. I want to say Silence of the Lambs though. Okay. I will repeat one more time. To enter the mind of a killer, she must challenge the mind of a madman. And yeah. JD, you're going with Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The tagline refers to Jodie Foster's FBI agent character Clarice Starling as she trades wits with Anthony Hopkins' insane and cannibalistic Dr. Hannibal Lecter. You're right on the ball, JD. Very good. Very good indeed. All right. What was the first feature-length Hollywood talkie to use spoken dialogue as part of the dramatic action? Was it A, All Quiet on the Western Front from 1930, Bringing Up Baby from 38, The Jazz Singer from 27, or Showgirl in Hollywood from 1930? What was the question again? What was the first feature-length Hollywood talkie? The Jazz Singer, 1927. You ain't seen nothing yet, Al Jolson. Spoken dialogue as part of the as part of the dramatic action. You sang the jazz singer, and you're right. That's what it is. Often misunderstood as the first sound movie, the first talkie, or the first movie musical. The jazz singer from 1927 was actually only 25 percent talkie. It also had musical numbers and a company that were sound synchronized. The first sound movie is the silent Don Juan from 1926, with a synchronized musical score and sound effects. The first all-dialogue feature-length movie is Lights in New York from 1928, and the first musical is the Broadway Melody from 1929. But back in the 20s there, wow, my goodness. Okay, who are the only two actresses to win the Best Actress Oscar two years consecutively? You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A, Betty Davis and Kate Winslet, B, Jessica Tandy and Elizabeth Taylor, C, Katherine Hepburn and Louise Rainier, or D, Meryl Streep and Judy Dench? I'm going to say, oh, wow, this is tricky. I'm going to say C. You're going to say Hepburn and Rainier, okay? Yeah. And the answer is, you're right. Oh, my goodness, nice guesses, J.D. Louise Rainier for The Great Ziegfeld in 36 and The Good Earth in 1937. And Catherine Hepburn for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in 67. And The Lion in Winter in 68. Not bad, J.D., not bad. Okay. This is another one where you have to determine the last, the, where the last line, what movie, the, this line came from the, from the last part of the movie. This last line. Okay. All right. The line is, two more months. Was it A, even Cowgirls Get the Blues from 93, Argo from 96, The Life Aquatic from 04, or Memento from 2000? I'm going to guess Fargo. You're going to say Fargo. And you're right, it was Fargo. Marge Gunderson, who was played by Frances McDormand, the town's pregnant sheriff, was referring to the time remaining until her due date. Nice guesses, J.D., excellent guesses. I told you you knew what you were talking about. There's, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, 
Mogambo from 1953 with Clark Gable, Ava Gardner, and Grace Kelly was a remake of which earlier movie also starring Clark Gable but opposite Gene Harlow and Mary Astor? Was it Forbidden Paradise from 1924, Red Dust from 32, Too Hot to Handle from 38, or White Man from 1924? A. You're saying Forbidden Paradise. Uh-huh. The correct answer was Red Dust. Uh-huh. It was filmed on a rubber plantation in Indochina while Mogambo was set in Africa. Okay. Ooh, that'll be good. What was Robert Duvall's first movie role without dialogue? Was it The Detective from 68, Lady Ice from 73, To Kill a Mockingbird from 62, or True Grit from 69? I'm going to say True Grit from 69. True Grit? It was To Kill a Mockingbird. He played the part of the reclusive Arthur Boo Radley, who lived in a neighboring house, and he only appeared in the movie's conclusion. That was a good move, by the way. I love the movie. That was a great... Yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird. That was great. Very Ruth Pack. Yes, great movie. After I read the book in school, and we uh, kind of... Uh, we almost kinda, didn't read... We actually didn't read the book, I remember, because when I took English, I think it was my sophomore year, we read... Uh, what was it? It wasn't To Kill a Mockingbird. It was uh, Mice and Men. And we and I fought them. I, I, one of my teachers said, "Come on, we gotta read this book." And I'm like, okay, we only read maybe half of it, if that. Right. And we'll do one more right here, and then we'll go ahead and call it a night for outside the ropes. And let's 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 test this big time, JD. This is this is we're going way back here as well. The jungle scenes and other stock footage used in the studio's first Tarzan film with Johnny Weissmuller, Tarzan the Ape Man from 1932. Were from which earlier MGM movie? Was it Africa Speech from 1930, Boru the Eight Boy, also from 1930, Trader Horn from 1931, or Zanzibar from 1928? I'm going to say A. Say Africa Speech. Uh The correct answer was Trader Horn, believe it or not. Footage came from the Best Picture nominated Trader Horn from 1932 by director W.S. Van Dyke. It was the first non-documentary production to be filmed in Africa. But we'll we'll say we'll we'll say this right here. And like I said, this is a this is this is a good page right here. We'll try some more of these uh, next week here as well. So, uh, great, great knowledge there, JD. Indeed, great knowledge indeed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that about just wraps it up here for tonight for episode 43 of. WWUS outside the ropes. We want to thank the Iceman JD Jerry Geralmo for joining me here this this evening. <clears throat> for of course giving us all the updates here, of course, and everything going on in the world of music, movies, sports, and other pieces of pop culture. Uh, of course, be sure to join him alongside the alongside King NWO, Gerard T. Smith, and the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds for episode of WWS for us in debate coming up here in about uh, 25 minutes. Of course, I'll be back, ladies and gentlemen, for episode 302 of WWS Revolution. We'll do a live video feed from GCWS, beginning of a dream here tonight. Uh, Remember, uh, Outside the Ropes is a broadcast of the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com. We're over one year older, continuing to be bolder. Radio network continues to be and will forever remain your red carpet connection here tonight. 
Uh, JD, thank you very much. Take care. We'll talk to you later on here with uh, Wrestling Debate and Revolution. Take care. See you on the red carpet. And as always, here in the radio network, God bless.